Hello, and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. Took Wednesday off, clear my mind, come up with some ideas for an episode for today. No guests again. Guests will be coming next week. You know, hard to get people. People are busy, that kind of thing. Gonna be some good stuff next week. Got a baseball episode lined up. Got a Eagles episode lined up. Trying to iron out a Flyers episode. Lots to talk about, as always. There always is something in the sports world to be talking about. Today, we're going over to our friends in the National Football League, because the never-ending soap opera that is the NFL that runs the gambling industry, and for a decent bit, that runs the media, sports media industry in the United States. So, we're going to talk a little NFL today. It won't be a particularly long episode. Try and keep it moving. Keep it around 30, 35 minutes, that kind of thing today. Please help grow the show. I know I need to put out more stuff. Blog will be going out tomorrow on Gotham SN, which you should all be following. We've got good content. A lot of our content creators are pretty busy this time of year, but we're putting stuff out with some regularity. I'm trying to do one Rangers blog and one non-Rangers blog per week. Please help grow the show. Follow along if you are on either Instagram, Twitter, Gonna get going on TikTok. I know I keep saying that. Gotta iron out the kinks on that. Put away my uh, pride and uh, my sense of self-cringe and get to that. Help grow the show. If you're not already, please, please, please follow along on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, scroll all the way to the bottom of the podcast's homepage where the reviews are. Click the five-star button. Click the five-star button. And please leave a written review really would mean a lot help grow the show the more feedback i get the easier it is to get better guests better guests mean a better show all that said we had a very interesting nfl season that culminated in a pretty disappointing super bowl where poor pat mahomes ran for his life i mean you've all heard the stat at nauseum but just bears repeating that Mahomes scrambled for 497 yards on dropbacks in that game. Almost 500 yards worth of scrambling. And he did that on a bad foot where his one foot had turf toe. He had surgery for that on Wednesday afternoon. Saw no major complications. He'll start rehab in a few weeks. We know what we're going to expect from Patty Mahomes come the fall from the Chiefs, from Andy Reid. Today's episode is not about the bona fide contenders and where they go from here. Today's episode is about the teams I think could be interesting come next year. Teams that could channel the Bills, that could channel the Browns, that all they need is a tweak or two, and they could easily find themselves pretty close to a conference championship game because they already have a pretty solid talent level or coaching staff, or in most of these cases have pretty solid mix of scheme and players where all they would need is a single coaching tweak, a single player edition, that kind of thing. So this will be a quick moving episode of the show where I'm just going to bounce around. I wrote down five teams. If I come to any in my stream of consciousness while I'm talking about the teams I already have written down, I'll cover them. This episode will be fun. I will see you guys in one second. Garoppolo airs it out. Sanders downfield is overthrown. With a minute 33 left, it's 4th and 10. And with that, I'm going to jump right into it. The first team on my list 
already got the memo, and they made the move they think that's going to make them go from decent playoff team to Super Bowl contender. I have, of course, talking about the Los Angeles Rams, who gave up a pair of first-round picks and a third-round pick to acquire quarterback Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions. They also sent Jared Goff to Detroit and had to pay the extra first-round pick to Detroit to eat the salary of Jared Goff. And it is possible that going from the C-plus that is Jared Goff to the B-minus to B-plus that Matthew Stafford is as a talent could be the difference between making it to the divisional round and the Super Bowl. I don't know how much more room there is within Sean McVay's offense to really make that much of a difference barring putting in a genuinely elite quarterback. I think Matthew Stafford is pretty good. I don't know if Matthew Stafford has ever been better than the 8th or ninth best quarterback in the league at any given point during his career. He's hung around. He's put up some pretty nice passing stats. Come the end of his career, he's going to be close to most of the career statistical passing records because he joined the league right at the time of the passing boom. you got to remember, he was drafted in 2009. And 2007 was the first year in which a team ran more plays out of shotgun than under center. Stafford has been here pretty much the entirety of the NFL's passing boom. He's had a few 5,000-yard seasons. He had a couple seasons at Megatron. He had some Kenny Galladay later on. And the narrative has always been that Stafford hasn't had much help in his tenure, that Detroit's never really had a running game. They've never had an efficient offense where... They run in good situations, they pass in good situations, and they're in a position to succeed. And of course, they've never really had that good of a defense. That's why they hired Matt Patricia three years ago, and Matt Patricia obviously did not work out. His defense did not work. He tried to turn a zone team into a man coverage team, and his corners all struggled. Detroit's defense was no better than it was. And Detroit is kind of off in the early stages of a long-term multi-year rebuild but as for the Rams their defense will be good number one defenses do not carry over year to year no matter how elite of elite Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are how good they are at what they do there is no way the Rams will finish as the number one overall defense again just based on recent history whether you talk about the Jacksonville defense that went to the AFC title game you talk about the Bears defense that went to the playoffs with Mitch as a rookie elite defenses have a very hard time transferring over year to year defense requires a lot of things to go right especially in the turnover department you gotta get bounces to force turnovers no matter how well you play it's hard to depend on those for your game plan on defense to be around forcing turnovers and the loss of Brandon Staley their defensive coordinator to the Chargers as their head coach will be a loss I don't know by how much I assume they are still going to run some variant of the star pack star backer defense that they ran last year with Jalen Ramsey where he kind of gets to operate as an extra player in the box even though he's a zone corner so he has the luxury of deciding if he's going to rush, if he's going to play the run, if he's going to drop and pass. When you have a player as elite as Ramsey, you want to put him in a position to succeed. Brandon Staley did a nice job of that last year. Remains to be seen, again, if the Rams can translate that defense for a second consecutive year. John Johnson, the free safety, is a free agent. He will be a loss because the Rams are pretty much tapped out at this point. They do not have a first-round pick this year. 
They do, do not have a ton of assets to go acquire any more depth. They This is more or less the Rams team you were going to see. And I think they have a little more upside than they did with Jared Goff, but not by the amount that some pundits like Dan Orlovsky, like the betting markets are going to think. I think the Rams are definitely better than they were with Jared Goff, but not by that much. Like I said, they went from a C-plus in Jared Goff to a B-minus, B-plus on Stafford's best day. I think in McVay's offense, he can be a little more efficient, be a little more unpredictable, the kind of fronts they get based on how well they run the ball, which should, in theory, make it a little bit easier to throw. But again, there are limitations. We know the 49ers beat the Rams, no matter how bad they are, because Kyle Shanahan's just... He's kind of got it figured out, and we're going to talk about Kyle's 49ers in a minute, and I know they won't have Robert Sala again, but the 49ers have played the Rams pretty well during McVay's tenure as coach of the Rams. Aside from adding Stafford and trying to just get a little bit more out of their offense, they're going to be a good team. I mean, I expect the 49ers to have a nice bounce back, and I expect the Cardinals to be a little bit better, or the Cardinals will fall off a cliff, which is why they're also on this list. But that NFC West, man, what a division. It's going to be a lot of fun. Next team up on my list is a very obvious one. One of the teams that was also in the market for Matthew Stafford that felt like it was just a quarterback away. I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Philip Rivers had a very nice season in Indy last year. Not the most efficient season, but a very solid season. He put up the passing yards. He put up the passing touchdowns. Did not turn the ball over like he did last year for the Chargers. Did a solid job. I do think they probably should have beaten the Bills. If they had played a slightly better game in the wild card round, they beat the Bills. And they are the team that probably... I don't know if the Colts beat the Ravens. That's a very fun matchup from a scheme perspective, that kind of thing. But the Colts need a quarterback long-term. They have a lot of a core of a solid team in place. They've got a very nice defense. Darius Leonard is one of the best linebackers in football. They got big Q up front on the offensive line. Anthony Costanzo retiring does kind of put a bit of dent in that. They definitely need to address the tackle position going forward, but the offensive line is pretty solid. I like what I saw from Michael Pittman in the limited action he played during the regular season. T.Y. Hilton is a free agent. Remains to be seen if they're going to bring him back, but Colts need a quarterback to take a step. We saw what they were with Jacoby Brissett two years ago. I, I got a few names written down here. I could see them trying Jameis if the Saints run into cap issues and can't retain Jameis. Jameis and Frank Reich's offense would be fun. He's an explosive passer. If he can just mitigate the turnovers, be a little bit more efficient, control the ball a little bit better, I could see Jameis being fine in Indianapolis. I could see Sam Darnold, possibly. And then there's the one, of course, that we keep seeing in the rumor mill, the Carson Wentz connection. Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator of the year. He was putting up those awesome statistics in 2017 when the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Frank Reich was Wentz's OC. It's worth pointing out Frank Reich did not call the plays then, and he does not call the plays now in Indy, and it's part of why the Eagles hired Nick Sirianni to be their head coach, because on the chance they did decide to keep Wentz, 
they felt like they could get something out of him. I don't know how much I want to believe what's floating around out there about Wentz, the whole the Bears were ready to offer two first-round picks and Tariq Cohen for him. The Dan Patrick show reported that the Eagles are the only ones saying they have interest in Carson Wentz. They're the ones leaking that there's a market for him to try and drum up interest among some of the more desperate teams who need a quarterback. I don't know if I'd be willing to take a chance on Wentz at this point at the cost that's perceived to be out there of multiple draft picks or a roster player. I don't know what to make of Wentz's cataclysmic falling off of a cliff season he just had behind a pretty mediocre Eagles offensive line and a team that lacked a lot of talent at the skill positions. He was not put in a position to succeed, but at the same time, his EPA was abysmal. He was probably the worst starter in the NFL last year from an efficiency standpoint. He took too many sacks. He turned the ball over too often. He had a really hard time staying ahead of the sticks, did not make good decisions with the football. I don't know if I want to give up a first-round pick at this point to do it. Indy was smart for not paying that ridiculous price the Eagles were asking. If the Colts are smart, they will let the Bears make that awful decision and give up way too much for Carson Wentz and go from there. The Colts are in a unique position where they have a lot of cap flexibility, but there are not going to be amazing free agents out there at the quarterback position. I mean, you're looking at a class headlined by Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. I don't particularly want to try Cam Newton out at this point. He looked pretty much finished in New England. Of those, I'd be willing to give... I'd give Jameis a shot just because he'd only cost you cap space and not draft picks. I'd also, I'd be more inclined to try out Sam Darnold than Carson Wentz just because Darnold is a little bit more raw. He's a little bit younger. He's still perceived to have some untapped potential, whereas Wentz really regressed harshly when he did not have an ideal situation around him. I do not know what the price is for Sam Darnold. I know Adam Schefter of ESPN has reported that the Jets are looking for a late first-round pick for him. I don't know how realistic an asking price that is. I do know the Colts need a quarterback, and someone in that tier is available. Unless the team wanted to trade up somewhere into the top 10 to pursue one of the later draft picks in the quarterback class, whether you want to talk about Zach Wilson, who's probably going to go two to the Jets, but after Wilson, you could look into a trade-up scenario with the Falcons, maybe with Miami, maybe with maybe with Detroit even, looking to get additional picks for their rebuild. I don't know who the prime team to try and trade up with if you're Indy. you got to remember the Colts are drafting in the 20s. Not a particularly desirable pick, and it'd probably cost you to get into the top 10 probably cost you at least one more one like at bare minimum you're giving up two ones and then probably some other draft picks probably twos and threes to get up into that top 10 if you were particularly married to the idea of say Trey Lance maybe I've I've come around I keep going back and forth on whether or not I think Trey Lance is going to be good in the NFL it's really hard to judge based on two seasons of FCS football at North Dakota State I know the Eagles fans listening just winced when I mentioned North Dakota State because of Carson Wentz, but the Colts wanted to give, you know, someone like Winston a two-year deal, like $25 million each year, let him re-rack his career, give him an opportunity to start, 
and draft someone like Trey Lance, give him a year to kind of get used to the NFL, to learn a little bit and come out in a year from now and try to run Frank Reich's offense. I like what Frank Reich did this year where he he took advantage of Rivers' mental acuity where he gave him some flexibility at the line to change things. And Rivers is still one of the great corner route throwers in the league, even now at his advanced age with his regressed arm strength. Rivers still throws a pretty tight corner route. He was particularly good at it in San Diego. If you go back and watch some of his plays with Antonio Gates, uh, yes, Antonio Gates was very good at high-pointing the football, but boy, could Rivers throw it on a rope. And they did a decent amount of that this year with the Colts with Mo Ali Cox, who was a pretty athletic tight end. Point being... I like the core Indy has. They have a very smart GM in Chris Ballard who's bided his time, who's managed their cap situation well. They're going to have cap flexibility. They have their draft picks. All they need is a quarterback and probably one more playmaker to complement Michael Pittman, and they'll be in business. They definitely need a left tackle. Uh, We're going to get to the tackle market in a second because one of the teams on our list here has tackle as their biggest need. So, I like where the Colts are. They definitely need a little bit more. Probably, uh, if they can get a good quarterback with the team they have right now. We saw it with Rivers. Rivers is an average quarterback in today's NFL, but you give the Colts a good quarterback, and suddenly you're talking about a legit AFC contender. Now, transitioning away from the Colts, I mentioned offensive line play before. We're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins here. And yes, I know what you're going to say about Tua. I'm inclined to believe that Miami is not going to trade Tua, the number three overall pick, and anything else to try and get Deshaun Watson from Houston. I just don't think they're going to do it. I would try and get Watson, giving up only Tua and a draft pick, and still having an additional first-round pick. I mean, we know what Deshaun Watson is. Tua is... At best, going to be a B-minus left-handed version of Drew Brees, a short guy who's very accurate. I mean, that's a nice idea, but at the same time, to use the family guy allegory, uh, do you want the boat or the mystery box? Would you rather the mystery box, Tua, or would you rather the boat, Deshaun Watson? We're in Miami, we're taking the boat, but I am not the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, unfortunately. Stephen Ross, if you're listening, I will take the job. I will be trading for Deshaun Watson, and we will be a Super Bowl contender. But if you want to hold on to Tua, that's fine. But going off of that, Miami obviously was not expecting to win 11 games last year. Uh, They would have told you that themselves going into the season. They started with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They had a really bad rash of injuries especially at their skill positions where they were at one point playing Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry at wide receiver because they had no one to play out wide because Devontae Parker was hurt because Preston Williams was hurt. They still have a very solid roster. Offensive line is a glaring hole. They took Austin Jackson, the tackle at a USC last year, 20th overall, with one of the picks from the Laramie Tunsil trade. Jackson had a pretty rough time. The Miami offensive line in general was not great. They gave up a lot of pressures. Tua made 10 starts. He was sacked 20 times across those 10 starts. I think a lot of that will come with time. I know Tua did not look extremely comfortable. He was kind of jumpy. 
He took off a little too often. He, I, granted, guys making his first NFL starts this year, coming off of a pretty bad hip injury. You got to get back into the speed of the game. There's nothing like NFL speed, no matter how good the SEC is. It is not the NFL. I thought Tua would be decent. Uh, there were concerning things last year from him. They did not really push the ball down the field all that much. They did not really trust Tua to kind of turn the ball loose, if you will, to give him the ability to be aggressive pushing the field. And they have the skill position players who are capable of doing that. Devontae Parker is a very good jump ball receiver. Mike Kosicki is a very physical player in the middle of the field who can win some 50-50 balls. If you get him the ball in space, he can make plays after the catch. Miami's got nice skill position players. we got to see what they do with Shane Gailey in the offense. I know that at uh, Alabama, Tua had a lot of RPOs, a lot of play action, things designed to make his life easier, which is the goal of any good scheme. You want your quarterback's life to be easier. You want them to make the easy throws because all they got to do are make easy throws. In an ideal universe, a quarterback does not have to make a difficult decision. Of course, you know, speed of the game, guys bearing down on you, guys aren't open. You got to make decisions. But, you know, in a perfect universe, you never have your quarterback take any pressures. A receiver gets open, quarterback throws the ball in there. That's, that's the point. That's why you, when you're mad, you play Madden on rookie difficulty because there's no pass rush. Your receivers get open. You hit them in the numbers, and then after the catch, you're gone. You don't play on rookie all the time, but if you're mad and you want ball of all steam, you know, it's the way to go. Miami has the luxury of having the third overall pick, and there are a pair of offensive tackles you could pursue with that pick. Whether you want to talk about Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, either of them could go at three, I would assume. It really does depend what the Jets do with the second overall pick. Because if the Jets take a quarterback and Sewell is there at three, Miami, absolutely. You take Sewell, you show up your offensive line, you give your perceived franchise quarterback into a, the protection he so desperately needed last year. You put you have your bookend tackles between Jackson and Sewell. Or if the Jets take Sewell at two overall because they want to go at it again with Sam Darnold, and you're sitting there at three in your Miami, you could go Rashawn Slater, the tackle from Northwestern who's shot up boards the last few weeks because there are a lot of teams that need offensive tackles. He had a pretty nice senior bowl. I don't know. If I want to take a Northwestern offensive tackle, three overall, if Miami was interested in doing that, they might be better off trading down. They could also look into trading for Orlando Brown, who got shoehorned into playing left tackle for the Ravens this year when Ronnie Stanley got hurt. He requested a trade unless the Ravens were going to play him at left tackle, which they probably won't because they have Ronnie Staley, who's a good left tackle. It's just he suffered an injury. And... There's a world in which Miami does some kind of trade down, get an extra pick because they don't need anyone at three, unless they have their heart set on someone. If they have their heart set on, say, like Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase, anyone, if they have their heart set on adding another skill position guy to make two his life easier, that's fine. I just think their biggest need is offensive line. They set 
Tua up for success. They give him a little bit more time in the pocket, allow him to be a little more comfortable, maybe give him a little bit more in the playbook to work with so he can push the ball down the field a little bit and teams aren't only sitting short pass. He had a pretty low average depth of target. There's lots of interesting pieces on Miami. I like their defense a lot. If Byron Jones stays healthy, him and Xavier Howard are an elite tandem in the secondary. I don't know what Tua's ceiling is. I mean, I gave you the comparison. He's a left-handed Drew Brees. A left-handed, like, B-minus version of Drew Brees, because Drew Brees at one point did have pretty decent arm strength where he was able to push the ball down the field. I mean, this is a guy who, when he was at Purdue, was throwing the ball 50-something times a game because they trusted him that much and they were playing from behind, so it made sense for them to do that, but... You got to see it from Tua, and if you have your heart set on Tua being your guy, you got to put him in a position to succeed, and you got to give him more time in the pocket. Miami's cap situation is a little bit funky. They did throw a bunch of money at free agents last year, Jones, Van Noy. I trust Brian Flores. He's done a very nice job thus far. They do need to work on their offense. That starts with getting more productive play at a quarterback. Give Tua an offensive line. Let's see it happen. Next up, I have my San Francisco 49ers, I'm going to call them. As one of the bigger Kyle Shanahan guys on the football part of the internet, I've liked what he's done with their team. They do not have the most talented offense, but he's gotten... He was one Jimmy Garoppolo completion to Emmanuel Sanders away from winning the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, which... uh. Pretty r- ridiculous when you think about it in the scope of court bad quarterbacks winning the Super Bowl. I mean, Trent Dilfer, Jim McMahon, and then, yeah, Jimmy G would have been in that discussion for worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. I think the 49ers are probably a quarterback away. I don't know where they go in the quarterback market. I know PFF and that part of the football internet, the football media landscape, like to say, well, you know, Kyle wants one of his guys. He's going to go at, they're, they're going to look at Matt Ryan. They're going to look at Kirk Cousins, you know, guys he's had success with in the past. Kirk Cousins is his ideal quarterback for his system. And, well, I think that's true. If you gave Kyle the choice, he would like to get Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan. I just don't know how feasible that is. I don't think Minnesota is ready to admit they need a one- or two-year retune. And I don't know what Atlanta's going to do. I think they're stuck with Matt Ryan for at least one more year because of just how much he would count for against the cap if you traded him and you're better off playing with him one more year. Because, you know, Atlanta on paper is not a bad roster. They've got first-round picks everywhere on that team. They've just had bad injury luck and bad coaching for a number of years. And I think I like Arthur Smith's upside as a coach. We've seen what he can do at Ryan Tannehill. I know Atlanta needs some things. They probably will draft a running back and probably a little earlier than I would take a running back, but they definitely need to replace Todd Gurley. They've still got Ridley. They've still got Julio Jones. They've drafted a lot of picks on that offensive line. They paid for Alex Mack. They've got a solid roster. They just need to execute. I don't think Matt Ryan goes anywhere until next year. I don't think San Francisco trades for him. Of the two, I think Minnesota is more inclined to pursue a one- or two-year rebuild because a lot of their roster is so young. 
yes, Harrison Smith is getting up there in age. They've got to figure out the defensive line, but the corners were both rookies for most of the season. They had some veterans trickle in once one of the rookies got hurt. Jefferson was second in offensive rookie of the year voting. He's awesome. Adam Thielen is older. That's a problem. Running back, they paid Dalvin Cook, so they're stuck with him. Nothing you can do there. I would take a one of if you if San Francisco was offering you their first round pick, Jimmy Garoppolo and another draft pick for Kirk Cousins, I would do that right now. You get an extra asset, you get a quarterback to play out a year or so, someone who's familiar with what Minnesota likes to do on offense. Gary Kubiak's offense is another version of what Kyle Shanahan does. These are all derived from the same place. They're all derived from Kyle's dad, Mike that play-action zone-run offense that's designed to make the quarterback's life easier to protect a bad offensive line by moving the quarterback around, whether it's in the pocket, whether it's on rollouts. All of that stuff is tied together. All of it is tied together. We know Kyle can get results with Matt Ryan. They won MVP that year. He got hot. Kyle got hired as the 49er coach based on Matt Ryan's production that one season. He had Kirk Cousins at when he was an offensive coordinator in Washington. I think San Francisco needs a quarterback. And if we're being honest, they need to address their secondary. They're going to have a lot of guys in free agency. But their front four and Fred Warner, good enough. If they had a defense, they'll be right back in the mix of contenders. Also, on our list of... Also, on our list of teams that are a move away... This one is pretty straightforward. I'm going to need Cliff Kingsbury to uh, start being a bit more aggressive in terms of going for it on fourth down and using what you're best at. The Cardinals have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and they've got Christian Kirk. They've got interesting pieces on that offense. I mean... I know their offensive line is not amazing, but they were the eighth best team in the league in pass block win rate. Uh, they gave Kyler time. They need more design runs where Kyler can use his agility, where it's not just Kyler deciding to run because the play breaks down. They need to break out some just straight-up zone read, some options, some stuff to give him the ability to touch the ball as if he's a skilled position player, the way the Ravens do with Lamar. And part of the problem the Ravens had this year was when their offense got into trouble, it's because they weren't giving Lamar design stuff as a runner. I know primarily you want to keep him in the pocket to pass to protect him, but if a guy's best asset is his ability to move and to run, let him do it. And, please... For the love of God, Cliff, stop running on first and second and long. I get it. You gave up draft picks to get Kenyon Drake. You think very highly of Kenyon Drake. I know he went to Alabama. He was good. He's got some talent. Arizona was the 17th most aggressive team in terms of passing on first and second down. 17th. On a team where your best player is your quarterback and your second best player is your wide receiver, or if you want to flip-flop the order, I don't particularly care. When your two best players are a quarterback and a wide receiver, you got to be throwing more on first down, man. you got to be using your mismatches. 
very few players in the league who can take DeAndre Hopkins in man coverage or be responsible for him in zone coverage and keep a good handle on him. There's just not a lot of players on the planet who can do that. And as the season went on, I know Kyler had to play hurt later in the season, and that probably hindered some of their aggressiveness, and they wanted to try and minimize his responsibility because he was playing hurt. But they need to put the ball in the hands of their best players. Arizona should have made the playoffs last year, but bad coaching cost them. And I'm not going to go out here and say that if Arizona has another season where they miss the playoffs, they're going to fire Cliff Kingsbury, but they're going to definitely think about it. Uh, they got a good enough offense from talent perspective. They definitely need another offensive lineman. They could use another playmaker. I like Kyler. I all I gotta say. I like Kyler. He's got good deep ball accuracy. His agility, his speed as a runner is pretty close to as good as you can get in the league at the quarterback position. It's He's right there. He's a little bit behind Lamar, but he's a better thrower of the football than Lamar, so, you know, I, I lean towards preferring Kyler if I were building a team because he's a little bit more accurate as a passer, but they need to get more out of him. I think they have the opportunity to do that, but it's going to depend on Cliff getting over his fears and being willing to take a little bit more risk. And just, you know, you're supposed to be the offensive guru, the guy at Texas Tech who ran the air raid. Arizona hasn't run the air raid. You know, they have some five receiver sets. They run the ball on first and second down, just like the Lions. They don't put their quarterback in a position to succeed. And the last team in this brief episode, get you guys out of here under the 40-minute mark, the Washington football team, who on Wednesday gave wildcard round hero, uh, in a loss, Tyler Heineke, a two-year deal, with some incentives to play his way into the starter role. Washington just needs a quarterback. We saw what they did with the bare minimum of someone who could complete forward passes in Alex Smith. Yeah, they only won six games, but, you know, that was enough in the NFC East. I don't know if the NFC East will be this bad again. I expect Dallas to be a 9-10 win team if Dak manages to come back from injury okay, but that defense is legit. Chase Young is scary. Montez Sweat is scary. Jonathan Allen is awesome. Laron Payne is awesome. The corners are decent. They don't need to be amazing. They've got four great pass rushers. They don't have to play coverage for that long. They, all they need is above-average quarterback play. I know they were in on Matthew Stafford. They want to pay up what Detroit was asking, so they're going to roll the dice. I don't know where Washington goes at the quarterback position from here. I know I've seen more than one person say, well, they'll just get Cam. Ron Rivera knows Cam. He trusts him. Yeah, Cam... I don't think Cam is a quarterback on a playoff team. Ron Rivera is also the one who brought in Kyle Allen and was like, yeah, I want Kyle Allen here just in case. And then immediately, as soon as Dwayne Haskins messed up, went to Kyle Allen. And you know what Kyle Allen's ceiling is? The absolute bare minimum of emergency starter. Washington gets a real quarterback in there. I like their chances. You get... Any team with that kind of pass rush is going to get extra possessions every game. 
And that's one of the things you don't really think about it from uh, having a good defense perspective. When you have a good defense and you force the other team to punt, those are extra possessions the other team is not scoring on. And yes, it's very, very hard to win with defense in the NFL today in 2021 now, but you complement that with an above-average to elite offense, and you're right there. Washington was one score in a one-score game with the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers with Tyler Heineke. You put Matt Stafford in there. You put uh, Zach Wilson, maybe. You put anyone who can give you more than the bare minimum. And Washington, I like what I saw from Logan Thomas at tight end. Terry McLaurin is pretty good. They need another receiver. McKissick's good in the backfield. They've got pieces. Antonio Gibson looked pretty good as a running back. They they weren't aggressive on offense, but that's because, you know, Ron Rivera's a conservative coach. Even though his name is Ron, he's not really that much of a gambler anymore. Yeah, he goes for two every now and then. Go get a quarterback. Give that defense a reward for all the hard work it gave you, whether it's trading for one, whether it's drafting one, whether it's signing a free agent, add a quarterback to that Washington football team, and they could very easily win the division again next year if the Cowboys' offensive line is as banged up and bad as it was during the 2020 season. And with those teams to think about as you go about your Thursday, Friday's episode, very straightforward. NASCAR, NASCAR, NASCAR. Qualifying was on Wednesday night. This episode will be for Thursday. Tomorrow's episode will be the Friday episode. Daytona 500 on Sunday. The Great American Race. 20 years since the tragic passing of Dale Earnhardt Sr. On the last lap of the Daytona 500 in 2001. uh, I remember being a little kid and wondering why Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s dad wasn't around and not really understanding how, like, devastating that was for the world of motor racing, just how important Dale Earnhardt Sr. was to NASCAR. Tomorrow's episode will be a little bit about that, talk about some of the things that are coming out in memoriam in the 20th anniversary, some of the articles I've read, that kind of thing, and then we'll just talk about NASCAR, storylines, to follow drivers be interested in Bubba Wallace qualified in the top 10 yes that Bubba Wallace a Michael Jordan's NASCAR team yes you heard me that's right Michael Jordan has a NASCAR team NASCAR's fun don't don't let the the mean people tell you otherwise NASCAR's fun again please subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts follow if you're on Spotify Bump on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good Thursday.